Well, as we gather today as the Christ Journey family, not only here in South Florida, but across the nation, around the world, where you're joining us, church online in your house, we welcome you to our house, and the Spirit of God is present in this house, and so we pray that you would join us in saying, Lord, speak, and make your presence known. And especially today, our thoughts and our hearts are turned in prayer toward those that are in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Uh, we have family and friends on the west coast of Florida who have lost material goods, still with us physically, um, but we are praying for them today as they gather on this Lord's Day again to try to take the next step forward. And then uh, across the middle part of the state on up the eastern seaboard, we, we know what it feels like to go through a storm like that. So uh, here in South Florida, we want you to know that you are in our prayers. But more than that, we are also available with our resources. We have a disaster relief effort that we enact every time a storm like this happens. Disaster relief funds. We have disaster relief teams. You'll be hearing more of that in the days ahead if you're connected to our mission ministry. So thank you for your prayers today in joining us as we uh, worship on this significant Sunday. Now, the words fierce and rugged, fierce and rugged, in the glossary of my youth, usually went with this word, individualism. Fierce and rugged individualism. And then there would be images and stories of Old West Frontier and cowboys and like the Lone Ranger, you know, would show up, uh, fighting for justice, and then many others through my childhood and then on through uh, perhaps yours as well. You know, Clint Eastwood figures. Rambo was a later development of the same kind of character. James Bond was another one of those. You know, it's a, uh, uh, a fierce and rugged individualists, self-reliant. They don't say much typically in these, these uh, roles that they're playing. They don't say much. They basically don't need anybody. They have an attitude of don't need anybody. And, um, and the key to survival in their self-reliance is trust yourself. Go it alone. Be a lone wolf, which is interesting to me because I looked up lone wolf. Merriam-Webster describes a lone wolf as a person who prefers to act, work, and live alone. And I got some of that in me. Do you? I mean, you know, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's a great relief. Anybody relate to that? Um, Lisa and I were at a store the other day, and we saw this towel, so I took a picture of it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to push all your buttons. I was looking for mute. You know, just... <laughs> Stop talking, you know, leave me alone. I get that. I got some lone wolf in me. So I don't know who came up with those words, but I can also tell you that I did a little background study on wolves. And those who study wolves will tell you, the experts will tell you that the only time you will find a wolf alone is when it's on its way to another pack. Wolves are pack animals. They're not loners. They're more pack-reliant, not self-reliant. So it would be more true to say this. The strength of the pack is the wolf. And the strength of the wolf is the pack. So what wolves know is that they're more together when they're apart. They're more fierce. They're more rugged. They're stronger. They're, they got more support. And... Uh, and they're more secure. Our study of Romans chapter 12 
is telling us the same is true for human beings, especially those human beings who are on the wisdom side of the transformation of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, being transformed by Christ. This is about Christians. Now, it's a popular myth in human culture, especially our culture, in the world that the way to best survive is through rugged, fierce individualism. Be the last man standing. Be the most autonomous woman. It's like, it's survival of the fittest. This is like raw Darwinism served up for us to, but, you know, because the survival is to the fittest one. But the Bible says you can do more than survive. That's why we're here. You can thrive. You can take it to the next level as you move from independent to interdependent. This is what we're going to be thinking about. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says this. So in Christ, we, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Can we read that out loud together? Join me in this at home too. Everybody together. Here we go. So, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Listen, there's genius here on how we can more than simply survive, how we can take it to another level through interdependence. Now, somebody's thinking already, you know, as Americans, we value independence. We have Independence Day, right? What can be more American than the Declaration of Independence, right? It, can anything? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, something can be. Let's just fast forward a little bit and get over there to the preamble of the United States Constitution. Stay with me. In the preamble, there is a declaration of interdependence. Think about it. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, <laughs> it's about more than individuals, then we establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty. Secure the blessings of liberty for whom? For ourselves and our posterity. We want the whole pack in on this. And so this document was written and signed by freedom-loving individuals, flawed Flawed, as we well know they were, but they were still saying together, you know what, we could, we're seeking something together that is better than simply being individual parts. We, the people, are going to do something together. It's a vision of interdependence. You still following me here? Interdependence. Thinking and acting together more than simply our individualistic parts. Now, think about it for a moment. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? And James Bond, what about him? He had M and Q and all the rest of the letters of the alphabet. So even the loners know something about interdependence in the cultural myth. But Romans 12 is saying this is a Christian way to think. How we, though many, form one body. Did you know that E Pluribus Unum, the motto of the United States, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin came out of this little meeting in 19, or 1776, and they said this is a motto, 
What does it mean? It's Latin. It means out of many, one. Sounds pretty close to Romans 12, 5, doesn't it? He said, now, by the way, I'm not getting political here. I'm just saying that part of what our flawed, freedom-craving founders wanted to declare was the value of interdependence. Interdependence, the, share, the strength that shared respect and interconnectedness could bring. And they were trying to give words to how a new nation could work together. Now, Paul was writing 16 centuries before that. That was 246 years ago. 246 years ago, we got we the people. But then take that back another 17 centuries. Okay, 1,700 years before that. And Paul is writing these words. And the Christian people that were in Rome were a very small minority population in an empire that was run on power and bloodshed. And uh, Nero was the emperor. Now, he began innocently enough. He, was, he had idealistic goals. But then by the end of his term, <laughs> cruelty and tyranny started moving him to murder anybody who got in his way. Ultimately, he tortured not only his own family, but he also tortured Christians. If you were a believer in Rome, part of that small minority, then you could get in his crosshairs. And I'm thinking that somebody, probably somebody in that first century expression heard the words of Paul that he wrote for the very first time because he wrote these words to those people that were Christians in Rome. How were they supposed to take courage in the midst of such hardship and hostility? And here's what he said. Let the transforming power of Jesus renew your mind. you got to change the way you think. That's what all this series has been about. i got to think in some new ways, and then it's going to move me to act in some new ways. And one of those new attitudes that I'm taking on is the attitude of how interdependence is stronger than independence. And even more than that, not just interdependence, but he says, you know, belonging to each other. That takes it to a whole other level. We're part of each other, the text says. So here's, what, here's my bottom line on this, the, the Bible teaching for today. Our individuality is seen in its greatest strength and value in the way that we're connected to each other. It's not against individualism. It's not against your individuality. It's saying that you're, you will show up strongest and best as an individual when you're connected in the body of Christ and belong to one another. We are organically part of the same body. Now, there'll be another message later about the different giftedness that we have in the church and how we can make a difference in each other's lives. But today, the emphasis is on our essential identity in Christ. We're a part of each other. The community that is created gives every part shared strength and shared support. So this is one of the places where Paul uses the word member. If you've ever wondered, what does it mean to be a church member? It's not about like joining a club and paying your dues and getting your parking pass. It's an organic expression of spiritual unity in the church. We're part of the same whole. We have a shared life. Just like an arm, a leg, a kidney, an eyeball, they're all existing because they share the life of one body. So likewise in Christ. Every person connected in Christ is alive together. 
organically in Christ. The, the, we share strength. We share support. We go through life together. We do life together. We say in our groups, you know, we do life together here. That means the good times, the bad times, we grow together. It's an amazing vision of shared life and strength. Now, maybe you know redwood trees. You heard of these? Been to California, has seen them? I mean, these are the tallest trees on earth. Taller than the Statue of Liberty. Can you imagine? One tree taller. Yes, the tallest one right now is currently 380 feet tall. That's a 38-story building. And redwoods are part of the sequoia family. Now, the sequoia family of trees, the giant sequoia, is said to be the oldest tree on earth, 3,000 years. That means that goes all the way back to the time of King David. It's also the largest living organism on earth. Its base diameter can be 35 feet. So I got my tape out this morning during our run-through, and I measured out here. Do you know what a diameter of 35 feet is for that single tree? It's this entire middle section. 14 rows back, all the seats across. That's one tree in the sequoia forest. Now, <laughs> think about it. A tree that's now standing 350 feet tall, you might expect that it requires deep roots to stay upright, and you would be incorrect. At least I was when I thought that. Did you know the root systems are no more than six feet deep? Six feet deep. But they can extend up to 100 feet, triple the size of this area, 100 feet in every direction from the trunk. And as they extend, they intertwine with one another's, every tree. And some of them even fuse together. So you can't tell one root from the other root because all trees are sharing the, sharing the root. And this is why they thrive in groves. This is why they, they have uh, tribes. They form tribes. Redwood trees do not survive alone, ever. Ever. They literally live in each other's embrace. They share nutrients. <laughs> they hold each other upright. Up. They survive through interconnectedness and growing toward each other's roots and then intertwining them. It is their interdependence that helps them bear their own weight. You ever feel like it's a pretty heavy thing to be you? If you were a redwood tree grown, you're, you'd weigh 2 million pounds. 2 million pounds, 1,500 tons. And yet it's their shared root system that helps keep every single tree standing. And then surviving the forces of nature, whether it's the power of the wind or the, uh, the rushing of a flood or the forces of nature. And what I want to tell you is this is God's plan for human beings as well. I believe this is what Paul was trying to say to those lone wolf tendencies that we all carry, to that single tree. I got this one. He says that the church is to be exhibit A on how that myth cannot sustain life, but how multiplying it through interconnectedness, the strength of the individual can truly be at its best. 
And what I would like to do today is call to the stand witness Kit Williams uh, as part of that exhibit. Hey, Kit, would you step up and join me, please? Kit is uh, Vice President for Global Services Legal with um, <laughs> Compassion International, where he likewise is their Deputy General Counsel. And uh, you don't know it yet, but last week when I was talking about us partnering to, be, to help in East Africa, it was through Compassion International, and that story came from Kit. So, Kit, tell us first, how long have you been here? How did you find us? And uh, maybe introduce your family. Thanks, Brother like. Bill. Yes, um, I'm joined today by Melania, my wife, and our three daughters, uh, Sophie, Chloe, and Casey. We've, uh, we've been members here for 10 years, and uh, we found Christ Journey Church. It was our and they always sit right there. Always the same spot, same spot. Um, we found Christ's journey on our very first week in Miami. We had just moved here, and we were living in temporary housing. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know where we were going to go to church, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and Melania looks at me and says, where are we going to go to church tomorrow? So I put in Google, Baptist Church near me. Christ's journey popped up. We came that first Sunday. We were immediately invited into the family. We joined the family ministry, and uh, it's been a home for us. And Brother Bill, honestly, we could not have survived these 10 years in Miami had it not been being part of the Christ's journey family. And Amen. all three of our daughters came to know the Lord here Amen. at Christ's journey church. Beautiful. Beautiful. I have to tell you all, Kit, you're the only guy who ever calls me Brother Bill. In, uh, in Miami. So, uh, I yeah. get it. I understand. They when, called you that in Oklahoma yeah, and they in did. other places. Yeah, <laughs> they did. But last week we were talking about how East Africa is suffering one of the worst droughts in history, 40 years, and how the war in Ukraine has exacerbated that because they couldn't harvest the crops and they couldn't distribute the, the grain, which is Ukraine, would supply East Africa. Yes. And so now Compassion International has been doing that. Yes. Um, Compassion International, many of you know Compassion International well because there are many sponsors of children here um, uh, through Compassion International. We're so thankful for that. Thank you for, for supporting the work that way. Um, we work with 2 million children around the world who live in the most dire poverty many of them living under $3 a day, and we work entirely through local churches, 8,000 local churches around the world mm. in 29 different countries, and those local churches minister to these families. It really is a, a really, an interdependency, compassion. We simply could not minister to these children for, not for the local churches, and we do holistic, uh, holistic child development, but the pandemic crushed the environments that many of these families were in, and they had uh, really... Uh, a lot less access to food, things cost more. And then coming right out of the pandemic, there was a double whammy of the global food crisis. And that's a number of things. Inflation, the cost of, the cost of fertilizer, um, the war in the Ukraine, uh, bad harvests in Argentina and Brazil, and even here in the United States have meant that there is a global food shortage right now. The world's calling it the global food crisis. And many of the families that we serve and many of the churches that we work with are seeing this in their, in their families. And uh, so Compassion is working with these churches and providing food through the churches to these families. And one of the things we discovered, Brother Bill, is these families who do not, simply do not have enough to eat. I think we have some photos yeah. here. They get food distribution from their local church. And here's a pastor uh, delivering food, and this is one of, one of many. Um, and what we discovered is these families with, with not enough food to feed themselves, they're taking this food and they are sharing it with their neighbors and with their extended family. They have created their own 
extended distribution network yeah. because they simply did not want to be the only people you with food. You were telling me a story about the woman there on the right. This woman on the right, you can see, she has received food. She and her, and her child have received food, but you can see, this, see they're still quite thin. She's giving away a good portion of her food. She's giving away because these folks have created their own network of food distribution. And that's what struck me when we were talking. You said, oh, we've, we have an expanded distribution system. And what you meant was the local churches didn't keep it. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's spread. It's spread to it's the community. Like, can you see this forest whose roots are now extending 100 miles you know, out from there, and Compassion International is now able to feed because they didn't stay independent. That's right. And thank you to so many of you for joining in that, in that ministry. We're really appreciative of well, it. Well, thank you so much. And that's really, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for sharing your family with us. Thank you for sharing in our Christ journey together as well. Thank you today. Thank you. Amen. Um, churches aren't perfect. So I'm not telling you a story like this because that somehow does. No, churches aren't perfect. Teachers aren't perfect. Preachers aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. You know, the, the letter of James says about Christian teachers, in many ways we offend all. I think that's one Bible verse I could live up to. You know, it, there's just, um, so we don't get it right. If you ever found a perfect church and I were to join it, it would immediately stop being that way. <laughs> and let's tell the rest of the truth. If you did, it would too. Right? Because that's why we, God gives us the church. He gives us each other because we don't have everything it takes in ourselves. We got some issues in ourselves. Sometimes Christians get it wrong. And people get hurt. Sometimes we hurt each other. And then that was happening in Rome too. And so Paul is saying to a church like people like us who says, you know, and even in the midst of when we don't get it right all the time and sometimes we hurt one another, I want to lift your eyes to see a larger vision that our in, then is our independent petty self-interest. Let yourself grow into a larger sense of community, interdependence. Nick Romero is a, another one of our members recently baptized at Beach Baptism. I was privileged to baptize him. And I saw this story. He posted it on his Instagram account. And so I wanted you to, to uh, see it and, and hear it as I share with it. Can we bring it up, Jamie? Thank you. Um, Nick says, today... I'm still me, just a little different, possibly a little better, but absolutely closer to God. Today, I was baptized, and it was incredible. Now, that's the short story. If you want the long story, just keep reading. Well, this is the whole story right there, and I do want you to hear it. He says this, a few years back after losing my younger brother, Eddie, I found myself in a very dark place. I didn't understand why God would take him from us at such a young age. I just didn't get it. And I haven't really said this out loud, but at that moment, I... I began doubting if God even exists at all. Shortly after that, I was invited to Christ's journey by some friends that would always rave about it, and so we went. And the way the Bible was read and explained was different here. For the first time in my life, I understood it. I felt it. I, I felt stronger connection to God more than ever. Fast forward a few years, COVID came, and we kind of stopped attending church completely. We always wanted to go back. We spoke about it, but we never did. About five or six weeks ago, 
we finally decided to make church part of our lives again. For me personally, it was the right time. My family's been blessed recently in so many ways. I'd recently started a new job, fantastic job. My wife's business doing phenomenal. The kids are all healthy and happy. They're doing great in school. I had so much to be thankful for. And last Sunday at church, they announced today's beach baptism. And I knew it was time. I knew I had chosen Christ to be my Savior, that he has forgiven my sins, and I trust him with my life. And today, he's talking about the baptism day. That's when he put this up. He said, today's a beautiful day. Thank you, George and Jackie, for introducing us to this amazing church and community. Christ's journey is my new home. Huh. George... And Jackie, George and Jackie are uh, the ones who invited Nick. And by the way, they were all away on this weekend on a planned getaway. So George, Jackie, Nick, everybody that's with you, if you're watching today online, which I know you are because you texted me right before service, then feel the love and thank you for sharing the story. But George and Jackie are the ones who just stayed in touch. Even though Nick had kind of, sort of, completely stopped George and Jackie just kept on praying, just kept on inviting, just kept on, just kept on, just kept on extending the root system. Extending the root system. Bringing support and strength. Extending the root system until God brought him to his new home. We hear that a lot around here. People say, you know, it just feels like family. Why does it feel that way? Part of the reason is that God is moving us from independence to interdependence. Do you see that? Like Romans 12, verse 5 says, so in Christ, we, we, every one of us, every one of us, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Think This is so great. Let's read it together one more time. Take a deep breath. Here we go. At home as well. Here we go. So, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. What does that mean? That means that God wants you to know that God loves you. That that you belong, that you belong here, that you belong in his family, that you belong to his family, that we belong to each other, and when we're not together, we're less than the individuals that he wants us to be. This is the genius behind the church. So I'm telling you, Autonomy and independence have their day. You know, they have their place. Thank God for them. But Romans 12 is trying to invite us to open our eyes wider to something greater than the strength of one tree standing alone. It's saying, hey, welcome to the forest. Something greater, more fierce and rugged than a lone wolf. You know what it is? Welcome to the pack. God wants his family's strength to be in your family in your marriage, in your life. God wants his people, you know, I'm telling you, individualism can be fierce and rugged. I feel it, I've lived it, I know it. It's true. But God is saying there's something that I want you to have that's even more rugged and ferocious. (laughs) 
something with an even tougher hide than individualism. You know what it is? Fierce and rugged connectedness. Welcome to the church. The Bible says a threefold cord will not be quickly broken. You know, a twine, you can pop it. But you weave three together, that thing's not going to come apart. The book of Colossians says this, I want them, this is God's word speaking, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love woven into the fabric of God's life. This is the church. This is, uh, this is our house. Your life is a piece of our puzzle. And when you are connected, interconnected, it's there that you and we find our identity and our community together as we hold one another and then as we become more than simply scattered individualistic pieces. Nick said this, COVID came and we kind of stopped attending church completely. Boy, how many of us can relate? Perhaps you're watching today and you still haven't made it back to a live in-person gathering. You know, we feel that. We know. It says, hey, we always wanted to go back. We spoke about it, but we never did. Maybe you know that feeling. But maybe there's a, Jack, a, a Jackie and a George in your life, or maybe, friends, those of you who are here, you've got a Jackie or a George in your life who would say, hey, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen, hey, I wonder how they're doing I wonder, and then you just activate your expanded distribution center, <laughs> and then you send out your roots so that there's some sustaining strength for other people that are trying to endure this hard world that we're living in, and you could do what Jackie and George did for Nick. Maybe next Sunday, they'd be experiencing some of what we're sharing here today because you reached out like that. What can you do? You can invite your friends. You can pray for them. You can stay in touch. You can think about them. You can be patient. If they're still not coming, you can don't get upset about that. You just keep inviting, keep inviting, keep inviting. Nick finally said yes, and then they came, and oh my goodness, God did something in his heart and said, this is your home, buddy. Your home. Welcome home. And he wove him into the family of God. What can you do if you've been coming for a while? You're saying, you know, I, I want to be part of a forest. What can you do? Well, don't just stand alone as a tree when you come. You know, I mean, you do need to come. That's a start. You know, show up. But then you can lean in. You can reach out. You can chat it up. You can listen, not just to the messages from God's word, but you can listen to the stories of God's people around you. We heard two of them today. And be lifted and strengthened through that. You know, get to know the people that are sitting around you. Don't just park, come in, and then get out early as you can. No. Hang out. Introduce yourself. Make a new, let your roots go down. Get in a group. You don't have to do it alone. If you're not in a group yet, find a wolf pack that you can be part of. If you don't think you need their strength, then they need yours. And then truly connect in community. I was talking about this message with Brooke, our student pastor, and she said, you know, Pastor Bill, there's a, there's a real sense of false community that our young people experience online that they encounter online. There's even something now being called textroverts. Textroverts. You know what a textrovert is? 
She said, they're all chatty and funny online, but in person, they don't really know how to connect. They don't know how to talk interpersonally. She said, I want our young people to know how to have true community in person. And I want to tell you, God wants all of his people to know how to have true community in person. That's why he came up with this thing called the church, because he wants you to know that this is our house. You belong in it, and he has something for you. There's a place at the table with your name on it. And perhaps this is a day that you would like to receive that blessing personally, and that's why I'm inviting the worship response team to come now. Just find your place along the front here. Our song that we're going to sing in just a moment will be an opportunity for you as we declare together today that this house is a house of prayer, that our Father desires to bring blessing and favor to His children, and that whatever hardship you've been facing or whatever trouble you've been carrying or whatever burden has been weighing you down, maybe this would be a chance for you to say, Lord, I'm thankful for my forest, and I'm going to come and invite the blessing of God to find me. So what I'm going to invite you to do is follow the prompting of your heart. These are brothers and sisters in Christ that are just here to invite God's blessing upon you. You come up and say, my name is, and then here's what's going on, and then let, just let them pray a blessing for you. You don't have to stay a long time. You can say thank you and then go back to your seat so somebody else can come up and receive a blessing. But that's what this is about. And if today you know that you want to take your first step toward following Christ, then Pastor Ralph is right over here. See his tall body and his high hand raised? Yeah. He's there to help you pray into the kingdom of God today. And if you would like to take a step toward Christ, then go to Pastor Ralph, okay? And you can even start coming now. But we're going to stand together. Lord, we just invite you now in one motion. Let's stand together. And if you'd like to come for prayer, then this is your moment. We're going to sing. We'll be blessed. And then we'll be done. Amen. Jesus said, ask you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. He didn't say, and if you just stand there like a lone wolf, good things will come your way. <laughs> he said, there's something for you to do. Ask, seek, knock. Take action and respond now. Amen.